Well, today is Father's Day, so we are going to talk about what does it mean this morning to honor our fathers. And when you talk about Father's Day, uh, there's a couple things that happen. Number one, uh, usually on Mother's Day, uh, we really try to honor our moms. We encourage all the moms and tell them what a great job they're doing. And then typically on Father's Day, we kind of beat the guys up. <laughs> Have y'all noticed that over the years? Have you been in church long enough? Man, man, those Father's Day messages are really challenging and really hard and really kind of challenging all the men to rise up. Well, I decided this year under the Holy Spirit's leading, we're just going to kind of X that out. This year, we're just going to honor our fathers. And I really believe that God is going to share today with us really what I believe to be the secret of honor that is going to unpackage and unlock some things in your family that you're going to be glad that you were here today. Now, let me just say this real quick about Father's Day again. Just another element when you talk about Father's Day. Father's Day is kind of like a two-edged sword. Uh, if you are like me, uh, because I was very blessed, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my dad was a godly example of what it means to follow Jesus. He wasn't a perfect man, uh, but he was a godly man. And when he fell down, I saw him get back up. I saw him dust himself off. I saw him repent, turn back to the Lord. And I saw him run hard after Jesus. And I'm just going to tell you today, I am very much today who I am uh, because of my father. His love, his example, his influence in my life uh, has made me and shaped me to be who I am today. And I'm so thankful to my dad. So, Papa Larry, if you're watching, he's at our Holly Pond campus this morning. I love you very much and look forward to spending some time with you this evening. But I'm so thankful for my dad. But I realize in our world today that that's only one side of the Father's Day sword, so to speak. Uh, because I meet more and more people who are not like me. Uh, they did not grow up in a Christian home. They did not have a godly father. They did not have an example of what Christianity looked like. And unfortunately, many times, Father's Day uh, can be a celebration of good things or it can be a reminder of some pain. Maybe some disappointment, maybe some hurt, maybe there was abuse, maybe there was violence in the home, maybe there was a lot of disappointment when it came to dad's relationship with you and in the family. And so I understand there's kind of a two-edged sword when it comes to talking about Father's Day and talking about honoring our fathers as the Bible we're going to see today commands us to do. But I want to give you what I, I, I call the good news of the gospel because the word gospel means good news. I think one of the greatest elements of the gospel is that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again and he reconciled us the Bible says to the Father that all of a sudden something supernatural happened all of a sudden the Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless and all of a sudden it doesn't matter what kind of earthly father you had because through Jesus Christ you can have a heavenly father you can have a relationship with a heavenly father who loves you and cares for you, who will never leave you and never forsake you. And he will walk with you through every storm, every season, through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he is a faithful father who loves his children. Can I get an amen from somebody? And so the good news of the gospel is that Jesus reconciles us so that whosoever believes in Jesus Christ can be adopted into the family of God. And I get to have the opportunity of having this amazing heavenly Father who loves me and cares about me. And that is true, not just for me. That is true for every one of you and every person watching this morning who would ever cry out and name the name of Jesus. But there's, a, there's another element that Jesus accomplished through his death and resurrection that I don't think we recognize as much. 
Not only does his death and resurrection reconcile us so that we now have a heavenly father, but through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we now get grafted in to the body of Christ. We get an opportunity to be a part of the local church. And in the process of being a part of the local church, not only do you get a heavenly father, but you now have an opportunity to have spiritual fathers. That's what the Bible calls him. Paul was a spiritual father. He wrote to Timothy, his son, who was a true son in the faith. He wrote to Titus and talked about how he was a faithful son in the faith. Paul says, you may have many instructors, but you've only got one father in the faith. And all of a sudden, something happens through Jesus. Through Jesus, you have an opportunity, regardless of what kind of earthly father you had, to have a heavenly father and to also have spiritual fathers. See, because God in the local church has orchestrated godly men, right? Men that are a little bit older than each and every one of us in here today. Men that are willing to love us and encourage us and strengthen us and teach us and train us and develop us in the faith so we can become the people God has called us to be. Now, as I share with you, I had an amazing and still have an amazing earthly father. But God has blessed me and God has blessed Kelly with some pretty awesome spiritual fathers. Brother Rod has been a spiritual father to me and to Kelly, and he's kind of been a pastor to pastors. But you know what? We, we've had other spiritual fathers here in the house at Liberty Church. Our, our elders here at Liberty Church, that's Brother Jim Posfar, Brother Curtis Snyder, Brother Forrest, actually Dr. Forrest Van Zandt. I need to get his official title correct, right? Forrest, Dr. Forrest Van Zandt. Those three men, those are the elders in our church. And I can just say to you today, those three men have been a father to me. They have taught me, they have trained me, they have encouraged me. Man, they have supported me through the good times and the bad times. And I am so thankful for those men that have invested in my life, in our family. And I want to just give you some good news today. What God has done for me, what God has done for Kelly, God is willing to do for each and every one of you. There are spiritual fathers in the house. And let me just brag on Liberty Church for a minute, okay? I talk to a lot of pastors whose churches are sustained by the women. I'm just going to tell you something. Liberty Church is led by men. Can I get an amen? We have an awesome group of mighty men here at Liberty Church. We have husbands and fathers and leaders that are not only leading the way in the church, but in their families and in our community. And I am so thankful for the men of God here at Liberty Church. Thank you guys for being so engaged and so involved in what God is doing because we all have a part to play. So let me encourage you. If you did not have an earthly father, you can have a heavenly father. And you can have a spiritual father in the house of God that will help you in this journey called faith and life. And I promise you something. It's a good thing. Amen. It's a good thing to have a good father. Amen. And through Jesus... Regardless of what our earthly dad did or did not do, our Heavenly Father has provided a way for each and every one of us, amen, to have a good, good father. So look with me at Ephesians chapter 6. The Bible says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise. And if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have long life on the earth. Look at that first point on your outline. The word honor means to hold in, in high esteem. It means to place great value upon. It literally means to show respect. Obedience, the Bible says, is the right thing to do, but God commands us to honor our fathers. 
Honor in the family, the Bible teaches us, is not earned, it is given. It's not earned, it's given. You don't earn honor and respect in the family. Honor and respect is given by God to mothers and fathers. And what I want to share with you today, because I know that when you read that, many of you who grew up with dishonorable fathers, maybe you still have an earthly father that's doing dishonorable things that maybe is negatively impacting your life, and maybe you're even grown today and your family is still maybe dealing with the dishonor of an earthly dad. Let me just give you some hope today. God is, is going to teach us something this morning through honor. That as we're going to see this morning, that unlocks the fullness of our families. It's the thing that God has implemented into our families that is intended to draw the best out of each and every one of us. And it is called honor. Now Ephesians chapter 5 verse 33, look at this scripture real quick. It says, so again I say, Paul is speaking, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So look at that next point. We're going to talk about that verse. Honor is important for a woman, but honor is foundational for a man. In Ephesians 5.33, the Apostle Paul kind of sums up the whole context of marriage. And he says in marriage, he says, husbands, love your wives as you love yourself. Why? Because the foundational need in the heart of every woman is love. She needs to be loved, and she needs to be loved unconditionally. And if you want to see your wife, men, begin to flourish and grow, you want to see her begin to blossom and become who she was created to be, then love her and love her unconditionally, and she will bloom like a flower in the sun. But the flip side of that coin is, is that God says, wives, respect your husbands. Why? Because just as love is foundational for a woman, respect is foundational for a man. Ladies, if you want to see your husband begin to flourish and grow, if you want to see him be the man that God has called him to be, then honor and respect him. It is breath to his soul. It is fuel to his fire. It is energy to his life. Because God has set a foundation stone in the heart of a man called honor. See, every man's heart, look at the rest of that statement. Every man has an honor code hardwired into his system by God. See, all the guys in the room can identify with this. We know that as men, that with your best buddy, right, your best guy friend, you can disagree with him, you can argue with him, and you might even punch him in the mouth. But you know as a man... That there is a line called honor that you won't cross. Because you know as a man, if you cross that honor code line with your best friend, your guy friend, if you cross that honor code line, you know if you cross that line, that relationship is going to be altered and changed forever. It'll never really be the same. And it's not that you won't forgive, and it's not that you can't get over it, and it's not that you won't move past it. But there is something in the heart of a man called honor. 
And honor compels us as men to do the things that we're supposed to do. And honor causes us even to create restraints in our lives because I'm not going to say certain things and I'm not going to do certain things no matter how mad he makes me because I am a man of honor. See, that's why most men when they get married are shocked because when they have a heated argument with their wife, they will say something like this, if you were a man, If you were a man, you wouldn't have any teeth left in your mouth. If you were a man, we wouldn't still be having this conversation. And many men have even said this to their wives. No one has ever talked to me like that. And he's right. Because a man would never say the things that a wife says to her husband. Because honor is on his heart. It's not that women don't have honor. It's just that the foundation stone of a woman's heart is love, not honor. That's why women don't understand why their husband deflates and withdraws from them. Because they're like, well, if somebody would have said that to me, it wouldn't have bothered me. Well, you're right, because you're a woman. But... If you were a man, you would understand that was the most disrespectful, dishonoring, heart-wrenching, soul-crushing statement that could ever be made. And it came out of the mouth of the woman that he loves more than any other person on the planet. See, there is a code of honor on a man that drives him. Now look at the rest of that statement. Because here's the secret God wants us to see. Honor draws the best out of a man. See, God commands children to honor their father. And God commands wives to respect their husbands. Let me tell you why. Because God wants to unlock the full potential of the heart of your husband, ladies. He wants to draw out the best that your man and that your father has to offer. And it is respect that does that. Respect and honor draws out the fullness of who that man was created and ordained by God to be. All you guys, y'all like any war movies? Anybody in here like the war movies? Come on, some good old Braveheart stuff. Let's kill somebody and all that good stuff, you know. Have you ever noticed when you watch those movies, I love those, you know, based off of true stories. You know what will happen before a group of soldiers, listen to me, before a group of soldiers, a group of men are literally about to die. And they know nine out of ten of us are not going to walk away from this battle. You know what will happen every time before, before they drop the gate, before they propel out of the helicopter, before they jump out of the plane? It'll never fail. And the movies do such a great job of depicting this. There'll be, a, there'll be a commander. There'll be the chief. There'll be the guy that's in charge. And he'll gather those men before they're literally about to march to their deaths. And he will call them to be men of honor. You were created for this. You are warriors. We're going to fight for our country. And you know what those men will do? They will die. 
They will charge the beach of Normandy knowing they're going to be gunned down because honor is written on their hearts. And when you ladies and when you children honor and respect your husband and your father, you know what you do? You draw that out of him. And let me tell you what I know about a man that's being honored in his home. That man will not just die for his family, because all men would die for their families. But that man will sacrifice his life daily, 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 daily for his family, because they honor him. He'll do whatever he has to do. He'll pay whatever price he has to pay. He'll go to whatever extreme he has to go to. Because he feels honored. Now ladies, kids, let me just encourage you in this. You play a vital part in drawing that out. Now men, let me just say, your response, men, is still your responsibility. And whether you're treated with honor or dishonor, it is not an excuse for you to live a dishonorable life. We're still responsible, guys. But ladies and kids, you need to understand that you have an amazing part to play in drawing out the best. Because the flip side of that coin is just the opposite, right? Dishonor draws out the worst. And we don't have to talk about that, right? Because we've lived that. We've seen what happens when we dishonor one another and all of a sudden, instead of a man that protects the family, you have a man that ultimately destroys the family. Why? Because he feels dishonored and disrespected and instead of stepping up he ends up crushing down on the very people that he was intended to fight for that's the power of honor that's the power of what God is creating this dude when God commands children and wives to honor and respect the husband and the father he's not trying to lord some kind of oppression on them no God is trying to liberate the hearts of women and children so that the family becomes an environment where everybody flourishes and grows because the man rises to be who God has called him to be so today I want to share with you five ways that we can honor our fathers. Number one, you honor your father when you show respect to his wife. You honor your father when you show respect to his wife. And I purposely did not say respect to your mother. Because we live in a blended family culture. More and more children are not growing up with mom and dad in the same house. And as a matter of fact, many kids today growing up, their dad's wife is not their mother. It's their stepmother. And I want you to see something. Proverbs 10 verse 1 says this, A wise child brings joy to a father, and a foolish child brings grief to a mother. The Bible calls a child a fool that brings grief to their mother. Let me tell you why. Because when you bring grief to mother, you're going to get the wrath of father. See, a dad can handle a level of disrespect from his children, but he cannot handle disrespect from his children to his wife. 
Before she was your mother, she was his wife. And if she's not your mother, she's still his wife. And that honor code on the heart of a man, you know what it says? It says, man, protect your wife. You know what, is, what, is, what, is, what I've seen consistently in blended families is I've seen consistently that, that men have an easier time embracing the marriage over the children. Women struggle with that. A man typically in a blended marriage does not have an issue putting the needs of his wife above the needs of his children. But many times in blended families, women have a hard time putting the needs of their husband above the needs of their children. Now, I'm not saying abuse the kids. I'm not saying we neglect the kids. I'm not saying we overlook the kids. I hope you hear what I'm saying today. And the reason that is, the reason that women struggle with it so much is because they're driven by love. And the reason men typically transition easier is because they're driven by honor. And there's something on the heart of a man that says, I'm going to honor my wife. And if you dishonor my wife, you have disrespected me. And nothing brings out the worst in daddy than grieving the heart of mama. Can I get an amen? Number two. You honor your father when you respect his desire and willingness to work and provide for the family. You honor your father when you respect his desire and willingness to work and provide for the family. Exodus 20 verse 9 says, Six days shall you labor and do all your work. Let me tell you something about work. Work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. Work was not the result of sin. God gave Adam and Eve work to do before sin entered the world. Work is a gift from God. It is an opportunity for you to use your gifts, talents, and abilities to add value to other people and make a difference in the world. And in the heart of a man, hear me today, there is a desire. Men feel responsible. They feel responsible to provide for the family. And I know we kind of live in a deadbeat dad culture, but I'm just going to tell you, all the men that I know, the men of Liberty Church, the men that I run with, the men that I hang out with, they're hard-working men. Man, they're busting their lives, their tails, to do the things that need to be done to provide for their families. And as a wife, as a child, listen to me, respect that. Respect the fact that your husband, that your father desires to provide for you. And let's just be honest, hey, we live in some challenging and difficult times. And sometimes you can do all the work you can do and still not have enough to do everything you want to do for your family. And it is an insult, it is, it is a disrespect to the Father when He's working and doing all He knows to do for you to say, well, you know, we don't get to do what everybody else does. And, why can't we have what they have? And why can't we do what they do? And you know, they drive that kind of car and they all got those kind of clothes. And it seems like we're always left out and we don't get to have any fun. Every time you make a statement like that to a hardworking man, you just spit in his face. You just rubbed his nose in what he feels to be his failure. Because the greatest desire in his heart is not to abandon the family. The greatest desire in his heart is to honor God by honoring the family God gave him. And he's willing to work and provide for the family. Let me tell you what happens when you honor that man. When you honor that man, you know what he'll do? He'll work harder. 
He'll work overtime. He'll get a second job. He might even get a third job. He'll do whatever he has to do to provide for the family. When you honor that, think about that. Honor draws out that work ethic that we all desire and know is, is literally hardwired into the heart of men. Look at number four with me. Excuse me, number three. We're going to flip the coin. You honor your father when you respect his rest and his recreation. You honor your father when you respect his rest and his recreation. Mark 2, 27, Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. If you're married to a hard-working man, honor the fact that he wants to provide for your family. And then also honor the fact that God created rest. He needs rest. He needs to be able to take a nap every now and then if he needs to. Come on, somebody. All you guys help me out. Years ago, years ago, when my kids were little, we'd have family dinner, and then we'd, y'all remember Redbox, right, before everything was all live stream, right? We'd get us a little Redbox movie, we'd put it in, we'd be having a family movie night, and we'd be watching a movie, and about halfway through the movie, I'd be in my lazy boy, and I'd fall asleep. And all the kids would say, Daddy, wake up! Daddy, you're asleep! Hey, Daddy, wake up! Daddy, you're asleep! Hey, Daddy, wake up! Daddy, you're asleep! Till finally, one night I said, I'm tired, let me sleep. I'm tired. Because more than likely, I got up before they did. I might have worked harder than they did. And I was needing a nap. Let me tell you something. Respect that. Respect the fact that you got a hard-working man. And that he might need a nap every now and then. That he might fall asleep during the movie. I later found out the reason they tried to wake me up was because my snoring was so loud they couldn't hear the movie. But I thought, hey, I don't snore. That's not true, but anyway. But honor that. Honor that your husband needs to rest. Honor that he needs recreation. See, your husband, there, there's, there's on, that, on that honor code of your husband's heart, there's this thing called adventure. Guys want adventure. They, they, they want to believe that they're not just living for work every day. That they're not just going to work to go to work and going to work just to pay the bills and going to work just to pay the bills. They want to recognize that in their life there's a little bit of an adventure. And that might be fishing. It might be hunting. It might be video games. It might be working out. It might be, I don't know what it could be. It could be a million different things hitting a golf ball across 18 holes. But whatever it is, recognize that, that that's a part of who he is. And let me tell you how this is supposed to work. When you honor his rest and his recreation, it is supposed to refresh him so that he becomes a better husband, a better father, and a better man. So let me challenge you men with this real quick. If your rest and recreation is not making you a better husband, a better father, and a better man, then you're out of order. And you need to dial back. If your recreation is distracting you from being a better husband, a better father, a better man, you need to dial it back. You don't have to quit it. You just need to dial it in some way. Because the purpose of rest and recreation is to refresh you so that when you come home, you're a better husband, you're a better father, and you're a better man than you were before you had a nap or before you went and had fun. You're out of order if it's not empowering you to be better. 
And let me just give props to my amazing wife. You guys know three years ago I started losing weight and trying to get in shape. And I started walking, then I started running, then I started biking, then I started hiking. And I mean, I've just, I mean, the last three years I've probably done more stuff outside our home than I have in 20 years. And every step of the way, Kelly said, go and do it. Just go and do it. Go and do it. Go and do it. Why? Because she knew it was going to make me a better man. She knew that if she could honor that desire in my heart for some adventure, some recreation, to get out there and push my limits a little bit and have a little fun and, and just be a guy, not have to be a pastor or even a husband or even a father, just be a guy having some fun. She knew that would make me a better man and I could come home refreshed by adventure and be a better husband than I was when I walked out the door. So honor that. Honor that in the heart of your man. Look at number four. Number four may be the most critical thing we're going to talk about today. You honor your father when you recognize that his lack of emotion, his lack of emotion, is a gift from God, not a weakness. His lack of emotion is not a gift, is not a weakness, it is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 says this, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, and be strong. And I put in parentheses, like men, because that's literally what it says in the Greek. It says, be strong like men. Be strong like men. Does that mean women are weak? Weak? Absolutely not. There are some ladies in this room here today I would not want to arm wrestle. Come on. But how many of you know that men are by birth naturally bigger and stronger than women? Why? Because God made us that way. Be strong like men. Be strong like men. And one of the greatest strengths that we have as men is that we are not emotional. And every time, ladies, we live in a society that has tried to demasculize men. And every time you say, well, I wish you were more emotional. Well, I wish you were more in touch with your feelings. Oh, I wish you were more emotional. Guess what? He is not a woman. He is a man. Praise God you married a man. And he is not as emotional as you. And that is a gift from God. Because, listen to me, in the most difficult, challenging moments of your family, when everybody else is falling apart, he'll be stoic and unmoved. When everybody else is weeping, crying, screaming, and yelling, he'll be silent. And many times women look at their husbands and say, well, don't you even care? You don't even have any emotions. Don't you care? Our kids are on drugs. Don't you care? Our family's falling apart. Don't you care we're about to lose the house? He's like, what? <laughs> the little Superman pose. I don't even know how that looks. But anyway, that lack of emotion, that's a gift from God. God made him that way. God made him that way so that when everyone else is falling apart, he can logically and intellectually make a decision not based on emotion. And when everybody else is crumbling, he says, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to handle it. And this is the next step we're going to take. And I can tell you from my wife's own testimony and from hundreds of couples that we have tested, that we have counseled with it's when that man takes that lead in that moment that that woman is glad she's married to a man because we've heard ladies over and over say when he makes that decisive decision in the midst of our chaos and struggle it gives me such peace 
and such comfort to know that he's leading our family. That's the power of respect. When you respect that, ladies, don't mock his lack of emotion. That doesn't mean, guys, we don't need to be aware of our emotions. It doesn't mean we have to be stoic all the time. But it just means we understand that is a gift. And ladies, when you honor that, the best of that man comes out. And in the darkest moments, he will shine the brightest to strengthen and guide your family in those moments of struggle and chaos. Look at number five. You honor your father when you respect his opinions, his ideas, his instruction and experience. He sees and interprets the world differently. He has a unique perspective, guys. He sees and interprets the world differently than everyone else in the family. And this, too, is a gift from God. He sees and interprets the world differently than everybody else in the family. He sees what no one else sees. He interprets what no one else interprets. He filters what no one else filters. Because he is the husband and the father, he has a unique perspective that is key to life. That's key to a healthy family. And we have to respect his opinions, his ideas, his insight. Let let me just tell you what happens. There's a great scripture. Lamentations chapter 5 verse 14 says this. It says the elders have ceased gathering at the gate. The elders have ceased gathering at the gate. What does that mean? Well, in biblical times, the gate of the city was the place where decisions were made. And the elders, literally the older men of the city, would gather daily at the gates of the city. And if there was a dispute, if there was a problem, if there was a challenge, if there was dysfunction in a family, you would go to the gate of the city and there the elders who were sitting at the gate would give you instruction and counsel to help you solve and resolve your problem. And Lamentations says the elders have stopped gathering at the gate. Let me tell you what happens when you belittle your husband's instruction. See, it sounds something like this. Well, Dad, you're just too old school. Well, Dad, you don't understand what's really going on. Well, honey, that's, it's not like it used to be. Well, darling, you know, that, that just don't even, that don't even apply here. Every time you do that, every time you belittle his instruction, his insight, his experience, his opinion, Let me tell you what will happen. He'll stop gathering at the gate. Your husband will go silent. He'll stop speaking up, he'll stop showing up, and he'll go silent. And we counsel ladies all the time, maybe not all the time, but we've counseled ladies over the year who will say something like this. They'll say, it seems like I'm raising the kids all by myself. My husband, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. I'm I'm carrying the weight of the kids. I'm carrying the financial weight. I can't seem to get my husband involved. Let me just give you an insight, ladies. This may or may not be true for you, but I want you to hear this today because it's true for many. Many times when you find yourself in that situation where your husband is totally disengaged from the family or the finances or whatever it might be, you can probably think back to when did that happen? When did my husband go silent? And six months before that, listen to me, six months before he went silent, there was probably a lot of, Dad, you don't get it. Honey, you just don't understand. Oh, that don't even make sense. Well, that don't apply here. I mean, you're just too old. That don't even make sense. We don't even want to hear that anymore. 
Six months before he went silent, there was probably a consistency of those little statements. And he probably said, well, if you don't hear what I've got, don't want to hear what I've got to say, then I won't say anything anymore. And probably in the heat of a moment, as a frustrated wife, you might have even said, well, good, keep your opinion to yourself. And guess what? He did. And he went silent for a week, for a month, for a year, for five years, for 10 years, for the next 20 years of your marriage. He won't say hardly a word about anything that matters. Because 20 years ago, you consistently belittled and mocked and rejected his opinions, ideas, and input. And you told him over and over again, we don't want to hear what you've got to say. And he finally got the message and he shut up. And your family has crumbled ever since. And the weight that you're bearing as a wife is a weight you were never intended to bear because you eliminated the strength of your husband from the decision-making process of your family. And that's huge. That's so huge, guys. Because the flip side of that coin is this. Let me just say this to you. Pastor Keith, are you saying that we need to do everything my husband says to do? Absolutely not. He's not always right, and he knows it. He doesn't even think he's right. He just wants to be heard. And you know what's amazing about men being logical and not emotional? Most men really want to work the best idea. And if somebody else in the family has a better idea, he's usually the first one to get on board and say, hey, let's do that. But if his idea never gets heard, if his opinion never gets voiced, if his insight never gets received, then all of a sudden a strength that is supposed to be a foundation stone in the marriage is no longer there. And now mom bears a weight she was never intended to bear. And children grow up in an environment missing the insight, instruction, and experience of the most important man in their life. But if you'll honor his opinion, if you'll listen to his advice, you know what he'll do? He'll become a well. He'll become a well of insight for the family. He'll become an insight. He'll become a, 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 a source of insight and understanding. And he'll get creative. And he'll grow. And he'll learn. He might even read a book when Pastor Keith hadn't told him to. Because I found out that's the only time guys read books. When I say read this. He might even read a book when he's not told to read it. Why? Because all of a sudden he realizes his family is not rejecting his wisdom. They're looking to him for wisdom. And he knows, hey, none of us are the sharpest crayon in the box. So he will actually begin to cultivate wisdom and knowledge and he'll seek advice and he'll seek input and he'll develop himself to become a better husband, father, leader. And all that happens just because you respect his perspective and understand that he deserves at least to have a voice in the decisions we're making. Amen? Last point. Fathers are irreplaceable. Fathers have an irreplaceable role in the family. And the more we honor 
And the more we respect them, the more our families flourish. The more we honor and the more we respect them, the more our families flourish. Creta, we're going to do a video real quick, so I'll let you come up in a minute. The more we honor them, the more we respect them, the more our families flourish. Proverbs, look what Proverbs says. Proverbs 17, great verse. Verse 6, children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. The word glory there is weighty substance. The glory of children is their father. Fathers deposit a weighty substance in the hearts of their kids. They deposit that thing in them that gives them strength and stamina and ability to become who God has called them to be. And if you're a dad, you're important, you're irreplaceable, and you matter. And today we want to honor you. We're going to watch this video together. And at the end of the video, when it goes off, I want to ask all you dads if you would to stand. But I want you to see and hear what the message of this video is. Just a simple tribute to dads and the power of their perspective in our lives as their children. Let's watch it together. My college career was over. 